Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Do me a favor also, maybe shake hands, high-five the person next to you. It's great to be able to be in God's house. I want to express my appreciation, Pastor Ben and Footprints Church, for allowing us to use their church building. Uh, What a a blessing that is. Uh, We appreciate that. Again, as you look at this logo behind me, this is not, uh, go back to that slide just before that. As you look at this logo behind me, um, this wrench should signify for you and I during this season that we're kind of in the the, the uh, adjustment process. You're going to see that all the way until we get into the new building. We're actually in pre-launch. We're getting ready. We're getting geared up. And so what I would say to you, if you're a new newer to our church family, and there's been huge turnover in, in other churches, our church as well, uh, churches having to hit start. Some of them still haven't met for 18 months. We've been meeting all along in different facets, but we've watched... Uh, people transition out and many people transition in. We want to get you plugged in, connected, so that you can function as part of the team. And you're like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm new here. We can, we're glad to have you. You're not new next week, right? You're family next week, and that's just how it works. Uh, so in the process, um, we really want to lean into helping you to feel a part of the team, being a part of relationships. That's going to be really intentional. That's why we have, uh, how many of you, Kim last week prepared, uh, there she is, uh, put on a spread back there was enough to feed three armies and it was phenomenal it was excellent and as good as the food is really the goal behind getting into that room to hang out is so that you can meet him and he can meet her and that person can connect and get to know each other then you realize wow we have a lot in common you end up hanging out and then afterwards maybe you go out to dinner or invite someone over to your home because ultimately this is not about coming into a room and hear some guys speak every week it's about us as families following jesus and impacting our community and doing life together so as you see that gear um as you see that gear behind me um that that gear is always about that process of us getting dialed in so that we're ready to go okay so let me jump into tonight's message uh, our new series called Intentionally Us, and this is going to be a series over the next few weeks because part of what we'll do during this pre-launch season is to help you to look through the window and be able to clearly understand us. And when I say us, I don't mean me, I mean the us, but if you're new and you're walking in, I want to help you to be able to understand what makes us tick. I was like, we begin to lean into this topic. I'm really not trying to tell you what we believe, but it's a little bit more about how we walk out what we believe, what we really value. And if I could take these next couple of messages, just kind of stick them into you, you'll, uh, you'll, it, it will be valuable as you walk with us, but it's also going to explain some of the why we do what we do. It'll, it'll click, it'll make sense, right? So Psalm 139 verses 13 through 15, great portion of scripture uh, that describes the moment of conception. It's powerful. And I know that in politics today, there's all sorts of arguments about 12 weeks and whatever. God's word reveals the fact that God is present at the moment of conception. Uh, When a man and a woman come together and they engage in that activity that brings about a child, it's not just an act. It is a supernatural act that causes the spark of life and God's present. The psalmist wrote it like this. God was there. He says, for you formed my inward parts. He's saying that of God. It's incredible. God, you might not realize this, God was there. God is in the process from the beginning moment to begin to 
form you in your inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. That's confidence. It's quite a thing for you to be able to lean forward and be able to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the psalmist was able to say. That's also what Adam and Eve were able to say. God, after he formed them, he says, and it was good. I'll tell you, it's an amazing thing when you meet God and God begins to pour himself into you to help wipe away the fog that gets in the way for you to understand that he's created you and he's created the perfect version of you. And as you lean into him and he leans back into you, he'll push away the cobwebs. He'll help to rewire what needs to be because he created you and what he creates is good. It goes on to say, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Uh, the words that show up there about God forming and God, God working and God knitting are really just a repeat of what we read in Genesis chapter 2 as God forms Adam. The Bible says the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground. He, he, he was there and he put his hands into the dirt he was present, and he fashioned the man according to his desire and according to the purposes he knew that he had for that man then and there. And as you were formed in your mother's womb, the same is true. God has not stopped being involved in the process. It's not just, um, it's not just instinct. It's not biology solely. It includes biology, but it is the creative act of God when he breathed you into existence. We look also in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, as God reached in, removed a rib from Adam's side to create a, a partner in life. It says that he made the woman. That word to make is to actually form, to, to, to bring into formation, because he also knew that she was designed by him for a purpose, for here and for now, and he created her perfectly. And the words of this psalm really echo that. Wonderful are your works. And I look out around this room, and I don't, I don't know if anybody's told you lately, but you are wonderful. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to look some of you in the eye. Some of you won't look me in the eye because you don't believe me. But God has made you wonderfully. God was there. It's not just the DNA of your mom and your dad, whether you even know your parents or like your parents or love your parents, God's handiwork was involved with the first man, the first woman, and every person since then, regardless of how you were even conceived, the circumstances. God was present. His handiwork is there fashioning you, and you're made wonderfully. Now, as you and I have stepped into this world, certainly we've stepped into an imperfect world, right? You read about Adam and Eve, and sin comes into the scene because the enemy shows up. And when the enemy deceives Eve, this thing, sin, invades her life like a cancer. And suddenly, she and Adam, as they eat, immediately, though they're wonderfully made, they immediately feel this nakedness. It's not a physical nakedness that they feel because they've been naked all along. It's in who they are, suddenly they feel insufficient not complete. I'm not who I need to be. Anybody you've ever felt like that? 
Maybe you don't hear the whispers, but I've been hearing the whispers in these seasons that we've been through is, yeah, you've made it before, but you're not going to make it this time. This is not going to work out. You're not going to get the good report. Those resources aren't going to come in. You're not going to get that job. Your child is not going to get better. And there's that insecurity and there's that fear and there's that concern that I am not everything I needed to be. God left some pieces out, right? And that goes through our minds. It's interesting that when God finds Adam and Eve, because they not only they sow fig leaves, but they hide in the, in the weeds from God, as if you can actually hide from God, they are wearing these fig leaves that they've fashioned to help them to feel secure. You remember, you remember being in seventh grade, right? Junior high school. Walking in and they're like looking around and there's the jocks and then there's the stoner. Well, this is my generation. There was the... the uh, the, the preppies, we had preppies, the alligator shirts back then and all that kind of thing, had their, their collars up. And, and you walked in and you're like, who am I and who am I going to be like? And so you start dabbling to try to add to yourself, try to, feel, try to um, overcome your insecurity with a concert shirt. You know the story. I've told you this. I went to the music store and bought concert shirts for bands I didn't even know so that I could be a part of some club in high school. And just looking to be, because we feel not quite secure. We feel not complete. And God actually says to Adam, and this is a fascinating question. Who told you that you're naked? And it lets you know right off the bat that those insecure feelings that we have about, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too wide, I'm too white, I'm too dark, I'm, I'm not smart enough, I don't have all the right education. Maybe I'm not a good enough businessman to actually run this business. Maybe I'll never be a great spouse. That those, who told you that? See, what God was trying to point out is your insecurity gets inflamed by the enemy's whisper. Matters who you listen to. And so... That is a thing that we, we, we experience. It's reality in life. Now, I will say this, that uh, one of the beautiful things about having a relationship with God as that starts, one of the things that God begins to immediately do is show us who he is and show us who we are and show us that we are made fearfully and wonderfully. It begins to reroute some of the wiring and we're able to step into the better version of us as we walk with him so that we can accomplish our purpose here on earth. Amen. Um, you know, this concept actually, this is going to turn weird left here, but I'm going somewhere, and I think this is valuable for you to know this. You know, that this concept applies to churches as well. Some of the same graphic verbiage to describe forming you and I, Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I don't know. There's a few moments in the last 18 months that I've thought, Boy, those gays coming in, I don't know. <laughs> and talking with some of friends of mine and the things that they've gone through. Uh, one, our C3 church in uh, New York City was, I think it was four campuses. There are one campus now. People have left the city. We've got a couple of good-sized local churches here in the greater Clark County area shut down. People transitioning, people not going to church, people afraid to go to church, people staying away from church, and maybe in some cases should. But man, it feels like the gates of hell have really pushed hard up against the church. But Jesus made us this promise. He said, number one, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. But he said, I will build my church. Now, that's a fascinating thing that God is building this church. Rowena and I, when we started the church, um, there's, a, there's a real understanding 
Maybe you had this experience when you gave birth to your first child. It's an amazing thing that I don't really own. It's not really mine. I'm responsible for it, but this is a living thing. And that's, that's how we felt. That's how we still feel. You know, ultimately, while it's our job to be your lead pastors and to serve and help exemplify you know, principles in God's word and how to raise a family and, and how to have a great hairdo. And I know that you're, some of you are almost there. Some of you need a, a little work, little clippers, but we'll, we'll, we'll get you set. Um, but when you look at the church, here's, here's sometimes churches run into identity crises. There's an element of insecurity. In fact, some, some, because there's so many different styles of churches, there's traditional, there's charismatic, wild and crazy people like us, there's seeker sensitive, let's kind of dial everything back so that the guy next door who's never been to church, when he walks in, he'll feel totally comfortable. And then there's missional incarnate, where you don't really set up a formal church, you just kind of go out and be Jesus out in the community. And then there's house churches, there's all different types of models. And so what ends up happening sometimes is, there's this looking at what do we think will work best. It's like going out and buying a concert shirt because that seems to be the going trend. And I want to help you to understand that we are intentionally us. We very much know who we are and are very confident in the way that God has created us and the way that God has designed us. And we may not be a church for everybody, but we are going to be true to who we are. Amen and lean heavily into the things that make us us. Now, that's not to say anything, cast any shade on any other churches. We've got wonderful churches. I did a tour of churches in town a couple of, several years, well, quite a while back now, uh, way back is like t a decade ago when I was in my 20s. And so I, in going around to all these different churches, I was, it was remarkable at the different styles and what was going on. And I had so many great takeaways. But when I came back to our church, I didn't say, oh, well, that was working over there, so we're going to take this piece. And that was working over there, we're going to take that piece. And that was working over there, so we're going to take that piece. Because then you just, you turn into something that you're not. Right? And so, which model is really right? Well, the model that's right is the one that's informed by our biblical principles in the Word of God and our DNA. This applies to you. Stop trying to be someone else and be yourself. Be the biblically informed best version of you. I really, Miss Trish is awesome. I ain't never going to be able to be her. And so why try? I mean, Jaron, he's, he's Barney Rubble, man. He's, and he sings and he belts it out. I can't be him, but I could be me. And I can honor him and love what I see in his life, but be committed to being the best version of me because God has fearfully and wonderfully made me. And that also, again, applies to church. You know, when a, uh, God establishes a church, he calls people to go and start a church. You want to make sure that when you do something like this, you're called by God. You have other, other leaders in your life behind you, supporting you, condoning uh, uh, or giving the green light, some apostolic level of green light to go and start a church. Be wary of the guy who just decides, hey, I think I'll start a church. It looks pretty easy. I can tell you after 33 years, it's not, okay? Uh, but when churches are planted by the leaders, there is a spiritual DNA within the leaders that then informs their values. And then, because that's part of the core of who they are, that DNA flows out of the leaders into the very atmosphere of the church. And then it gets into the hearts and minds of the people who attend the church. And they really begin to have a 
personality, a flavor, a fragrance that makes them uniquely themselves. That DNA then transfers into those who are born into the house and then those who will visit the church. Now, I'll give you this quote. Church planners and leaders should pursue the biblically informed best version of their DNA, knowing that it will be replicated within the fabric and the people of the church. And when you do that, you become the best version of you. Because if you understand this concept, and we understand this concept, then you know that God intentionally created you on purpose and for purpose. You know, I've got some tools in my tool chest at home, um, especially that I've had for a long time before I had a good arrangement of tools, tools that are now damaged because I tried to use them for applications they were not designed for. Got, am I the only guy? I mean, does your wife have any butter knives that are bent? Couple, yeah. Uh, are there notches in your scissors at home from trying to trim wire, right? There's a right tool for the right job. And when you know who you are, you can be confident that God has created you that way on purpose and for purpose. Psalm 139, you formed me in my inward parts. And when you understand this, then you will also understand that you are positioned uniquely for the here and now to fulfill those uh, to, to fulfill those purposes of God. And attempting to be like someone else, somewhere else in our here and now would radically limit our impact and the outcomes. I've got scars in my hand for where I tried to use the wrong tool for the right job. But the creator has created the right tools for this moment, for here and now. And believe it or not, you uniquely fit into that set and God certainly wants to use us. So I know for me, those of you who have known me for a long time, that's why after 27 years, it was so important for me to make a change out of a denomination. Not, denominations aren't bad, and we're part of a church family, but I needed to get out of the denomination that I was in because they were wired for a purpose, and I was very much wired for a whole different style and purpose. And while I was over here functioning within the confines of the wall, I'm very loyal, very long-term, was in this thing for 27 years, okay? And I just wanted to make it better. But what I didn't realize is because my values were different, me over here trying to make it better was actually trying to change it. Here's, can I just say this? Don't try to change the DNA of your spouse. Don't try to change the DNA of your child. Don't try to turn them into a version of you. You can't change wiring. Now, you can certainly adjust behavior. You're, my, my goal in life is not for my wife to be more like me. Dear Lord, please. No, two versions of me, I, could, I can't. I'm working on really liking myself. She needs to be her, okay? But my, 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 my part of my job in life is to help Rowena to be the best version of her. And so I'm not trying to change her to be like me. I want to push so that she can be the best version of herself. And believe it or not, your children are wired certain ways. And usually the things you don't like about your children is because they're like mirrors. They reflect the thing you don't like about you. But I promise you that down the road somewhere, your child... The thing that drives you crazy is going to be their moneymaker someday. Will you stop asking me? 
take that out into the world. Somebody who actually show up and work? Come on. And so what's important to recognize is that um, we are wired a certain way and, and we need to step into that. Um, so I'll say a few more things about that in just a moment. But intentionally us, during the weeks to come, I'm going to be leaning into the ingredients that make us us. It's an attempt to define the unique values that make us that way. It's not the what we believe, but it's more about how we live that out, how we live out what we believe. It's kind of like our flavor, our fragrance. It's not accidental. It's intentional. It's what stands out if you've never been to a church like this. Uh, it's what will become second nature as this becomes your home. It's also, and I'll say this with a smile, it's something we protect. You know, we're not interested in being like the other church down the street. They're a great church, but God has them wired that way on purpose, for purpose, not our purpose. So we want to protect who we are. Also, we're not interested in becoming a goulash. Anybody know what a goulash is? Did your dad cook goulash? What's, you, do you know, some of you are like, what's goulash? Goulash is when there's really nothing to cook, but there's lots of leftovers, and dad goes into the refrigerator and begins to pour things into a pot. And he's telling you how great it is, and while you're eating it, you're not sure advertising is lining up with a product. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you've tried to, you act like you were some kind of chef, and you begin to do all that, and, and let's be honest, it wasn't that good. Why? Because it's a mixture of things that don't really fit together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God, as he forms the church, it's fearfully and wonderfully made as well. You know, the beauty about us in, dis in becoming a part of C3 was we felt like we were separated from our family in, in the, what's that room where the babies are at? The okay, nursery. And somehow we ended up like in a in a family that we loved and loved us, but it felt like it quite didn't just fit. And when Rowan and I made that transition, as we started the church and we began to look for a family, we would go and visit conferences, we'd go spend time with friends. And then as we stepped in through the doors of the C3 family, uh, our first relationships, there were, it was so odd. It was like discovering your family that you had been separated from. It was remarkable. Like some of the mannerisms, little twitches, the same. Some of the way wording is used, some of the posture, some of the, the hairline. It's, it, there's a lot of similarities. And it, it's, it's not, our families aren't perfect, are they? But it's, it's remarkable to see that familial flavor in a, in a group of families and families of churches. So one of the things that we love about it, we've been around visiting many of our C3 families. We were just a few weeks back, we were in Palm Springs with Pastor Eddie and uh, Donna, and we went to church on Sunday morning. I swear to you, you've been reincarnated in Palm Springs. And I'll tell you, it's 116 degrees. Be happy that you're here, but there's a version of us there. And we've been to the church up in Seattle, Hope Village, Pastor Drew and Emma, and it's like walking into our church because you can feel those family values. They're similar. What's nice about that is, you know, when you go on vacation, you're able to go to another C3 church, and it's family. And when you, your kids go off to college, if there's one in the area, they'll be able to connect with family. And so those are some of the things that we value very much. Um, we live unapologetically in the us. This is who we are. It's the biblically informed best version of us. And I say that because... I'm not saying intentionally us, that's not an excuse for poor behavior. Bad attitudes, poor posture, 
um, wrong way of doing things. Intentionally you does not mean, well, I, you know, I just, I just blow up into fits of rage sometimes. <laughs> That's who I am. That's not the biblically informed best version of you. Amen? So there's a refining, but there's not a changing of the DNA. Um, I know that uh, for our church, let me be a little bit transparent here. About four or five years ago, as we began to step into the C3 family, and then two and a half years ago, as we stepped through, it created ripples through our church family. Big time. You know why? Because uh, we shared with the process with our entire church family, and it meant changes from the foundation up to the top. It meant changes in even how we lead the church, how we govern the church, because we're gonna, we were stepping into a new version of what we, we this is us. And... You know, how many of you love change when it affects the people that you want to see change, but if the change is going to affect you, it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. Wait, we're not going to do that anymore? And it was, it, was, it was fascinating, challenging. Some moments it was heartbreaking because you do life with people. Now all of a sudden you change the rules on everybody, but that's the reality. And, you know, I thank God for where we're at and for the course that we're on and, and uh, the 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 solid uh, blueprint that we have as leadership team to lean into that version of us helps us to be able to just 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 fight for what God has for us for the here and moving forward things don't change because you're pursuing that better version of yourself let me give you a, can I can I lean into a couple personal applications uh, God has uniquely and wonderfully planned created and wired you I've already said that I've already explained how Satan steps in how at the moment of your conception, you understand you were conceived in a fallen world. And maybe you were born in a womb of someone who was addicted. And so some of the wiring got challenged then. Maybe you were not planned. Maybe you weren't necessarily welcomed into this world. You know, once the enemy, Satan, steps into the scene, he starts messing around, he starts messing with identity. It could be that you as a child have experienced some crazy, insane traumas and things that have made their way into your world. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's definitely been uh, a push from the wicked one against all of us, and some of you in, in remarkably challenging ways. And that's, that's a reality. This last 18 months, we've all felt that from every different direction. You, you put your right shoe on and you're wrong for doing that. And then you put the left one on, you're wrong for doing that. You take them off, you're wrong for doing that. You can't be right. And it's not just, I disagree with you, but I cancel you. You're out of my world. You're gone. And it's changed. People have had to leave their jobs. And there's been a lot of, a lot of challenge to our lives and where we're at. So throughout this process, um, leaning into... You know, your identity is so important. And as a church, as we lean into our identity, we, there's a couple things that become really valuable to make that actually happen for you as an individual. Um, number one, say yes to Jesus. You will just only ever be a shadow of yourself until you surrender your life to Christ. Just plain and simple. I didn't even know that was a thing when I was a teenager. And I went to church for like six years straight. I was there, everything. I had no clue that there was, you could actually say yes to God. That that's what he was even wanting. 
But it was remarkable the first time I discovered the, that moment that that's what he wanted from me, not just to come to church, not just to throw some money in the plate, not just to help pick up the chairs. He actually wanted to be a part of my life. I discovered that was a thing. And I'm telling you, the moment I said yes is the first opportunity to step into the intentional version of myself. I would be now in my mid-50s still doing the same things I was doing, buying concert shirts for bands that I didn't know because I would be struggling with the fact that I'm naked. I don't know who I am. But when you start a relationship with God, one of the first things Jesus said in 1 John 3, 8, well, this is um, one of the apostles writing, but he's explaining what Jesus was doing when he came. It says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The fact that you're trying to create a loincloth to hide your insecurity, your nakedness, right? That was the enemy's work. That's one of the reasons that Jesus has shown up, so that you can actually know God and actually discover who you are really wired to be and how God wants to use you. Second thing. Uh, well, let me go back, though. Let me, I didn't take enough time on that. This relationship with God's not going to start by osmosis. You can't hang around in the garage and turn into a car. It doesn't happen. You can sit on the couch and watch beautiful people. It's not going to make you beautiful. This is an actual action that opens the door to the next steps of life, to the best parts of life. Saying yes to Jesus. You know, you can't date forever, and Rowan and I were dating for a, a while, and in order for the relationship to formally on earth and in God's eyes move to that next level, I had to ask the question, will you marry me? And Jesus has been saying this since the moment you were conceived, will you come and follow me? And when you discover that that's, he just wants to be a part of your life and help lead you into the best version of your life, it takes a formal step to make that happen. But it's easy. It's just yes. I could have hung around church forever. Rowan and I could have dated forever. That doesn't take you to the next level of relationship. What takes you to the next level of relationship? Rowena said, remind, what did she say? Sweetheart, remind me. What oh, but remember you screamed at the top of your lungs and danced for a while. Go ahead, let's reenact that. Isn't that how it happened? My version of the story, that's how it happened. I just walked in the room and she said, yes, I haven't even asked you yet. I've been waiting. That changed everything. She said yes. If you don't say yes, you don't get married. You don't progress in the relationship. Say yes to Jesus. Make it formal. And it can't be a secret. I can't, you can't secretly say yes. I don't want anybody to know that. You can tell there's problems with that, right? I'll say yes, but don't tell anybody. Why don't we want people to know? You want to know what happened the next day? Because I asked Rowena to marry me when we were in college. And... Uh, Bible college classes the next day, and she sat up towards the front of our room, and I sat towards the back. Now, this is my version of the story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> we'd always pray before class. Sometimes we'd sing a chorus. It was awesome. It was a bunch of, you know, te teenagers in Bible college, excited that God's going to do something. Let's sing out. We were all crazy. But I'm going to tell you what, her arm came up to worship God, and it was a left arm in the sparklies. 
Well, first of all, the ring was so big. Actually, we had to hook up a block and tackle, and we hoisted her arm up. But as, as she was able to lift her arm from the weight of my love on her finger, and the sparkles blinding people everywhere and, you know, setting off some people were having, you know, stuff going on, medical issues from the flashes and stuff like that. Um, the whole world, I remember there was a kid sitting next to her and turned around and was like, you got engaged? David Holmes said that. Do you remember that? I remember his name, David Holmes. I was like, that's right. I, she's not available. She's mine. <laughs> that ring meant she had responded. She, you know why she wore that ring on her hand? Flashed it around every time in church and waved her hands and when she preaches. She wants everybody to know, this is my story again. She said yes. Amen? And saying yes is going to require you to say yes publicly. To let your spouse know, to let your mom know, to let your dad know. Because that allows you to step into the next level. Let me give you the last two just really quick. Worship team's going to come and I'm going to pray. Throw away the loincloth. No loincloths allowed here, okay? You got that? No loincloths allowed. We don't need your, I'm, I'm a perfect Christian loincloth. We don't need your, I got it all together loincloth. We don't need your, I'm somebody special loincloth. Or the, don't talk to me, I'm, I'm really not a friendly person loincloth. Throw away your loincloth. And let's get busy to becoming the best version, biblically informed, of ourselves. It's one of the reasons why, it's one thing that I love about our church is, I will regularly be transparent and allow you to know that I am an imperfect person. You will probably not need me to make that announcement. There'll be a few moments I will. And that doesn't make those right. But the reality is, if you're willing to throw away the loincloth, you'll discover the better version of yourself. A lot of times we hold on to the loincloth because we're comfortable with it. It's what we know. It's our security blanket. We used to have a little girl in our church. I think she's probably about four or five years old. She had a bunny rabbit since the day she was born. And as a little baby with milk in her mouth, she chewed on the bunny's ear. And that led for three or four or five years. And it's hard to break a child from a security blanket. But how many of you know that five years of being dragged around the world with milky ear from five years ago, still living in said ear, not pretty and doesn't smell real good. The bunny needs to go. Throw away your loincloth. Whatever it is that you're just, oh, 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 if I'm not loud and obnoxious, then what's my identity? If I sell my motorcycle, I'm not specifically talking about motorcycle. If I sell my sports car that I can't even afford, then who am I? We'll find out and it'll be better than a hollow you in a sports car. In this season, some people have lost jobs. You are not your job. That's not your identity. You hear me? Because if your identity, you, you, you get my age and then you no longer got a place to go, then your life's over. You know who, who you want to know? The loincloth is gone. I, my, my name's Steve. Before anything else, I'm a son of the living God. The greatest thing in my life is that I said yet yeah, that I could hear the creator of the universe inviting me to say yes. You may invite me to your house for dinner and that's awesome. 
but the creator of the universe invited me to be his son. Why would I want to hide my life? Why would I want to wear a loincloth? I get to be the husband of Rowena. I get to be my dad's kids. I got great kids. I have a great daughter-in-law. Great. How, how amazing is that? I'm too busy putting on concert, concert shirts for bands that I don't even know. How can I lean into the reason why I'm here and give them a part of me, the real me? Imperfect, being perfected. Throw away the loincloth. This is a, this is a, a family, no loincloths allowed. We're all just running around naked, not physically but wonderfully and fearfully made as God intended. Amen. I'll give you the last one and I'll just hit this real quick. Um, lean into the perfecting process. You got to participate in that. Second Corinthians talks about us being transformed into the same image of really the Lord's image. The more that we get around him, the more that we see him. You know, it's amazing to be a part of a church family. There are reflections of God in your life that I see that inspire me of who God is and how he can perfect me. It's one of the beautiful things about being a part of a church family. We're all being transformed together. No perfect people in this room, but there's also no loincloths. And we're leaning in. And in that process of leaning in, how many of you know being perfected doesn't tickle? Occasionally it's a little sharp, but sometimes it's a good cheer. Come on, win. It's somebody saying, you did a great job. That's the perfecting process. You being confident that no, 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 you're not an introvert. Quit saying you're an introvert. That's not an excuse to not be you. Lean out and shake hands and say hi to somebody. The scripture teaches us all to be hospitable. Don't use, that's not wiring, that's an excuse. I was good, you know, saying hi to people. The Bible says you wanna have some friends, be friendly. Stand with me. I guess I gave you enough stuff. Hey, God doesn't want to change you. He wants to perfect you. God will use some other people to help that process too. That'll be a lot of fun. I don't got time to preach that. Okay, can I, can I, can I look you in the eye? I want to I have you bow your heads. We're going to pray for all of you. I want to invite you if you're here and you've yet to formalize your relationship and say yes to Jesus. Um, or if you've drifted away from Jesus and you've just been kind of hanging out, I want to formally invite you right here, right now in this moment to step forward and say yes. Been hanging around, maybe you like some of the things that are going on, you like some of the people that you've met, you admire some of the qualities that they have in their walk with God. It's time for you to say yes. It's time for you to say, you know what? I'm in. God, I am in. And if that's you, I want to pray for you specifically. Again, I've asked you to keep your head bowed, but I want you, if that's you, to raise your hand so that I can pray over you, so that I can know that you're making a decision today. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or you're re-solidifying that relationship because you've drifted, just raise your hand and I'm going to go ahead and pray over you, okay? Okay. All right, let me pray for, how many of you, how many of you got a loincloth hidden in the car? You can go ahead and look at me now. How many of you got, you got, you got, you got your purse or you got your man purse, whatever you carry, but it's a thing. Um, how many of you, you'd say, ah, I've got, a, I've got some loincloths in there. You know, and you know what I'm talking about. Been hiding the real me. 
been putting on airs, I've been pretending in some areas. I know that's all of us. And so I'm gonna pray specifically over that. We set that stuff down and let God perfect us. Amen? Amen. Anybody, that, that applies to you? This is great. You don't have, why are you, that's such a sad look on your face. pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. Right now we come to you, Lord, and I thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We come back to that. We've said yes to you, Lord, and I'm asking God, you'll give us the confidence to lay down the things that we, we hide behind and step into the best version of us. You said you'd give us life abundantly. You didn't say you'd give us another life. So we want to step into our lives really well. We're going to do that as a church, but to do that well as a church, we have to do that well as individuals. And so Father, tonight, right now, we make up our minds. In our minds, there's specific things that are triggered when we talked about this, things that we know that we, we need. It's time for those things to be put away. Those excuses, those facades, those acts, those things that we do to cut people off and to keep distance. Lord, we invite you into our lives to perfect us. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. We're so grateful, God, for your goodness. God, I pray for your touch upon your people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's sing with our Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.